a lot of things happened to Baylor athletics over the weekend, and most of them were not very good. Most of them. This is Locked on Baylor. You are Locked on Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another episode of Locked on Baylor brought to you by Prize Picks. I'm your host, Cam Stewart, recapping a weird weekend and not a very great weekend in Baylor sports. Let's start with the good stuff. How about those Baylor women? Huh? Huh? Top 10 and keep rolling. They beat number 24. I think they were Miami handily in San Antonio on Saturday after the disappointment of the men's team that we'll get to in a minute. But another big win for Nikki Collins, Lady Bears. Best start she's ever had at Baylor at 9-0. and And this was kind of kind of wire to wire. I know Miami uh, got it a little closer in the first half, but I think Baylor was up 15 at the half. And just kind of cruised to the end there. They win by 18, 75, 57. Uh, Dre Edwards, I always say, she could be the best player on the floor without leading in any statistical category. Uh, she goes for 10 and 7. So she doesn't lead in any of the categories. Uh, even rebounds, because Doriana Little Page Bugs has 13. Boy, has she been good as a sophomore year as well. And Sarah Andrews, this team continues to go through her, man. It, it really does. 18 points, 6 assists. Three rebounds to boot as well. I mean, this goes. This team goes through her. She's playing with more confidence every game. She she's got that dog in her. It's it's really it's a fun to it's a team that is very fun to watch, very fun to watch. And I can't can't wait to see them bring that energy to the Foster Pavilion as well as we get into the into the Big Twelve season. I really think this team can can challenge if not win uh, that Big Twelve regular season championship. So get excited. Get excited about this Lady Bears team. By the way, they they were pretty darn efficient uh, in moving the ball on Saturday. 18 assists. 18 to 8. They won an assist. That's what Nikki Collin wants. That ball movement, moving it around. She she likes a little bit more of the offensive side than Kim Mulkey did. Kim was just defense, defense, defense. The best way to score is to not allow the other team to score. And look, there's a lot of truth to that. It's certainly worked for Kim over her career, but um, it's pretty exciting to see this this new style of basketball finally kind of coming together here in in year number three under Nikki Collin. Not that it's been bad. I mean, she has a lot of Kim's guys year year one. They they win the Big Twelve uh, last year. Just so many injuries, they could never really get going, um, especially in that Big Twelve season. And this year, she she's got the arsenal here. She's got the the players back. They had Triana Edwards back, who they expected to have last year and didn't because of the eligibility issue. Uh, this is this is going to be a fun team to watch. One that wasn't very fun to watch were the Baylor men, which played right before uh, up in Detroit against Michigan State, uh, a Michigan State team that was absolutely on the ropes at four and five. They needed a win in the worst kind of way, and all they had was the number six team in the country coming in to play them. And then you get some idiots on podcasts who believe in this Baylor team so much that they're saying, Baylor's going to win this game easy. I don't care if it's a Hall of Fame coach on the other side. I don't care if they were preseason top five. I don't care how desperate they are. Baylor's going to win this game by 15 points. Cruise to victory. Wasn't the case. Wasn't the case even a little bit at all? None. 
Baylor is down by 30 points twice in the game and loses by 24. Gives up 88 to what at that point was one of the worst offenses in Power 5. They were bad. They were down in the 70s. Uh, in Ken Palm adjusted offense, but that's not even the story because Baylor, which was number two in adjusted offense by Ken Palm, scored 17 points in the first half. You got it. 17. That's atrocious. And I did say on Friday, the one thing that basketball wise that Michigan State had going for it was it had a top 20 Ken Palm defense. They were still pretty good on defense, but if you're, if you're a serious team, and you're seriously this loaded on offense. You can be down in the first half against a defense like that, sure. But you can't score 17 points. That can't happen. And it wasn't even just a brick show. Baylor was just throwing the ball all over the place. I, I didn't know what the offense was on Saturday. I don't know who they were trying to play through on Saturday. And one thing I said about a bunch in the post game, which was the most concerning to me, wasn't even necessarily the score, but when they get down, because they were down early in the game, early and often, they had plenty of chances for someone to step up. Nobody did. Nobody stepped up. Nobody said, get on my back, guys. I, I got this. Nobody did it the way, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, really, all three of those guards in the national championship team would, would do that. Um, and then in 21-22, uh, James Akinjo would do that even when he wasn't the most offensively gifted player on the team. Jeremy Sohan at a couple points did that. The Kansas game that year at home that Baylor won, Jeremy Sohan put the team on his back. This kid was a freshman. I mean, it, it's just, it. and Adam Flagler did it a few times last year, but they needed an alpha more times last year. So that's what concerned me, is who is this team going to play through? And, and, I don't think there's a shortage of options. We just haven't seen it yet. You know, Ray J. Dennis is such a gifted point guard, man. He really is. And he's had a great season so far. And he's a point guard who can score. I actually, as much as I've loved James Akinjo, and I just talked about him a minute ago, I think Ray J. Dennis is a better player, to be totally honest with you. And Akinjo was an All-American at Baylor. So the, the sky is the limit for this kid. And I'm thinking, is it going to be him? Is it going to have to be Jacoby Walter, who is, you know, talent through the roof, but he is a freshman. Is it going to have to be Eve Misi? Same thing. Ton of talent, but he's a freshman. Could it be Jalen Bridges, a guy who was, you know, the only returning starter from last year, who can get it done at both ends, who stepped up towards the end of the season last year? It wasn't any of those guys. It wasn't, it wasn't Jaden Nunn making defensive stops. It, it, you know, it wasn't Jalen Bridges corner threes. It wasn't. Uh, you know, you obviously you don't have the energy guy like Jonathan Chamwachachua coming off the bench anymore. C Caleb Lohner got out there basically just for cardio. It that's that's what concerned me more than anything was just that that lack of someone who will step up. And I told you it made me think of the Marquette game last year, and the numbers were pretty similar um, to to the Marquette game last year, which ended up being what a, a twenty six point loss, I think. In, in this game. Baylor shot 48% from the floor. Michigan State uh, shot 63%. In that game last year, Marquette shot 58%, so a little bit worse. Baylor shot 48%, the exact same. Ooh, points in the paint. In this game on Saturday, 42-28 Michigan State, plus 14 points in the paint. 
Baylor scored 42 points in the paint in that Marquette game last year. Marquette scored 52. Remember, that was a bit of a problem for the Bears last year. Uh, the bench points. This is one that really, really stuck out to me. Um, that was just not good at all for Baylor on Saturday. They were outscored 35-19 by Michigan State's bench. And in that game last year against Marquette, it was 34-14. to So eerily similar. Just eerily similar. And the second chance points also killed the Bears in this game on Saturday. Uh, I, I say that in terms of just the, the difference of 15 to 6. I know that's not a big number that jumps off the page at you, but minus 9 in second chance points in big games is, is not going to help you all that much, especially when you're turning the ball over 21 times and they're scoring 29 times or 29 points off that. So um, just not... Not a good lead, not a good game overall. Um, <laughs> there was no changing of the lead in that game on Saturday. Michigan State had it, took it, took it for good. So the one thing that I think Baylor fans can take from this and and maybe not be so much positive is just not as catastrophic as I was on the post game Saturday is there is something to the fact that all the momentum things went Michigan State's way. Okay, yes, they have a Hall of Fame coach. You have a Hall of Fame coach too, by the way. But they're playing a game that's a home game, and we can't complain about that. That's how Baylor schedules it. You know what you're getting when you're playing Michigan State in Detroit. Come on. But it's a home game for them. They have their backs against the wall. And the the things that you see teams do well with a great home court environment that doesn't travel is shooting and bench guys, right? Shooting doesn't always travel. Bench guys play much better at home. I just read it off to you, man. The bench scores 35 points for them, and they shoot 67% from three. They were shooting sub-30% from three the whole year. Part of that was Baylor's perimeter defense, which has been stellar this year, wasn't, wasn't there on Saturday. But part of that is they hit more shots than they're used to. You know, they got good looks, but more of them were going in than have gone in all season long. So it's not an excuse. This was still an aberration on Saturday. And it does make me rethink the expectations for this team. I had them as national championship caliber. I just don't know after that. But they have a big chance Wednesday to prove me wrong and show me some more. So what do you guys think? That was that was not fun on Saturday, but it's time to throw away that film. Uh, but what are you going to take with you from that game? Do you think this team now is not a Final Four national championship type team? Let me know down in the comments. I'd love to hear your thoughts. But of course, before that, I've got to tell you about today's sponsor, which is eBay Motors, one of my favorites personally because they help me out too. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. 
and exclusions apply. And if the Baylor men's basketball team didn't break you down enough on Saturday, let me introduce you to our old pal, Drake Dabney. Drake Dabney had a really good three seasons at Baylor that he actually played, got better each year, um, fought through a, a gruesome leg injury uh, in October of last year, comes back in 2023 as a great season for a bad team. I mean, I think he sets the receiving yards record for um, for a Baylor tight end. He's, he's really a standout. He's um, doing it every which way. He's, he's a good blocker as well for you football guys out there. And then he enters the transfer portal, which was not surprising to me. I had him at number one of my uh, guys who are probably going to transfer list uh, because, and I still believe this, because I think he's going to be an NFL tight end. He already has the build for it. Um, his his run blocking uh, really improved, and he's got good hands for a tight end. And, and you can hit him. He's got a diverse route tree for a tight end as well. He's a, a true weapon all over the field at a position that that's not always the case. And so I thought, okay, he's going to go to a, a bigger, better program, um, at least right now, bigger, bigger and better program, because he's going to play for his NFL draft stock. And he said bye-bye to the 3-9 and nine Baylor Bears. And the same day, the same day he graduates from Baylor University and walks across the stage, at the Farrell Center, he commits to five and seven TCU. TCU. Arguably Baylor's best offensive player this season in just a miserable season. Graduates from Baylor. Congratulations to him. And then commits to their arch rival that day to go play for Kendall Bryles. Am I an old man here? Does that not rub you the wrong way? I know the kids don't buy into rivalries as much as we do as fans, but come on. You're going to graduate from Baylor and then go play at TCU? Is TCU a better program than Baylor right now? Sure, but they didn't make a bowl game. This, this isn't a huge leap. He's going 100 miles up the road to go 5-7? and seven? Your most hated rival? How do we expect that... We, we try to... We get really in-depth and really involved in these rivalries, whether it be TCU or UT, or for some of you, it's Tech. And then the players go and play for those guys. So how do we expect to believe that these guys are putting in the effort... And, and, and the, the hatred that we have into these games when they go and play for these guys. <laughs> that should not happen. That just should not happen. And you as a Baylor fan are allowed to be pissed off about that. I know they're younger than you and they're kids, quote unquote. I mean, he's 22. He's not a child. You know, you don't root for him to get hurt, but you're, you're it's allowed to be like, I don't like that guy anymore. And he's, to be fair to Drake here, he is one of the guys who said, who didn't say, uh, I love Baylor. He didn't mention that at all in any of his, uh, in his announcement that he's going to the transfer portal. 
says he's thankful for his time here, thankful for his coaches, but is he a Baylor Bear? Does he come back and get recognized by Baylor as the legend of the game? Do do in two years do we put Bears in the NFL highlights of Drake Dabney? I don't think we can do that, man. That's as bad as it gets. For as much as we don't want to admit it as Baylor fans, if someone transfers out and goes to Texas or OU, that really sucks. But that's a better program. That's 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 brand recognition. That's blue blood status. But now we've got guys who are leaving to go to TCU, man. That's that's just the ultimate just dagger, just spike in your heart. Because it's not even that much better what they had this year and what they got from Kendall Bryles this year. That sucks, man. That sucks. And you are allowed, you are allowed to hate that. And I don't want to put it back on Dave Aranda because I give him enough, I think, deserved crap. But, like, how much pride is there in the building? How much pride is there if these kids are just going to go to TC, get up and go to TCU? Mississippi State, that's one thing. Whatever. But to go to your most hated rivals, how hated are they in this locker room? It sucks, man. It really sucks. And it might suck for him. I, I don't know how much that's going to get a better draft stock to go to TCU. I mean, this putting guys in the pros at skill positions? Offensively? I don't think so. <laughs> Quint Johnston, who, look, let's give him some time before he's a bust, but he has been in the headlines all this year as having just a dismal rookie campaign for a team that's dreadful, that's, I mean, that's, that's it. So you're, you're allowed to be mad at this. And maybe, maybe I'm just old man yelling at cloud. These kids don't care, but come on, man. If he was just going for a regular job and I saw that, I'd be like, huh, that's, that's weird. If I see someone with Duke and Carolina on their resume, I'm thinking, well, that's a loyalty issue for me. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but golly, it had to be TCU. It just had to be. Just this biting, just dagger in your heart at the end of a terrible day that your best offensive weapon's now going to go to TCU. And they'll love him there because of where they got him from. And they'll troll us. And that's deserved. And he'll probably set some sort of NCAA record the way Trey Richardson did at TCU for baseball after leaving Baylor. But that just, that can't happen, man. That just cannot happen. I Kids aren't going from Tech to TCU or vice versa. They're certainly not going from Ohio State to Michigan. They're not going from Washington to Washington State. Any kind of rivalry on any kind of level you can look at here. There, that's not happening. There, There's obviously transfers within the conference now, much more than we've ever seen. But to go to a rival school like that, that just... Oof. That rubs me the wrong way. 
All I can say, I hope he stays healthy. I hope he stays healthy. But as a Baylor fan, how can you not be angry at that? How can you not be angry at that guy? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but it's just another Baylor loss against TCU. What else is new? Speaking of guys leaving the Baylor football program, they said goodbye to another coach this weekend, it looks like, uh, at least from all the reports we've seen, and that is that Baylor legend Sean Bell and his brother Brian are leaving Waco and are going down to the University of Houston to join Willie Fritz's new staff. Um, Sean Bell was just moved from quarterbacks coach back to tight ends coach, which he was before Jeff Grimes got there. And now after Jeff Grimes leaves and Spavadol comes in, Dave Aranda reassigns him back to tight ends. Of course, Sean Bell was a quarterback, quarterback at Baylor. So he wants to coach quarterbacks and that makes a ton of sense. And Willie Fritz is going to give him that opportunity down at Houston. Um, Sean's brother, Brian joined the staff as a quality control coach after leading my China spring Cougars to the state championship in 2021 as their head coach. Um, so he's been on the staff two years now up in the booth and he will, um, now get a position with UH. We don't, I think that's just an analyst job again. Um, but probably will be on the offensive side of the ball. Now there is a link there between the bell family and Willie Fritz. Uh, Fritz was the coach at Sam Houston where Brian Bell, who I just mentioned, Sean's younger brother, was a record-setting quarterback there. I mean, by the time he left, he had all the records at Sam Houston. Jeremiah Briscoe has put Bell into second in a lot of those, but led them to two FCS national championship games under Willie Fritz as the head coach, um, and they lost both times to North Dakota State. No shame in that, um, but had all these records. He was the winningest quarterback in Sam Houston history. I think he might be second in that now. Uh, but second in passing yards, second in passing touchdowns, all these great records. So he and Willie Fritz were a pretty good combination out there in Huntsville. Pretty good. And uh, now they will be reuniting at UH. Um, but it, this, this as a Baylor fan, kind of sucks just from the human standpoint. Um, Sean Bell has, is, I, I mean, seriously, he is a legend at, at Baylor at the quarterback position. But before... They were anything. I mean, they didn't win games and they weren't, they didn't have this long, illustrious history of quarterback play. Um, he was near the top of all the record books. I think he was basically at least a three year starter at Baylor in some lean years. And by the time he left, the, the quarterback discussion at Baylor was really Sean Bell, Don Troll, uh, Cody Carlson, and JJ Joe. Like that, those were the guys before you brought in RG3 and Nick Florence, Bryce Petty, and Seth Russell. These, these were the guys. And obviously he has the great moment of, of his pass to Dominique Ziegler to beat A&M for the first time in 20 years or whatever it was uh, back in, I think it was 2005, 2004, 2004 sounds right. Um, but Baylor legend from China Spring, which is the suburb of Waco. It's right next door. A lot of coaches actually live there. He still lived there. Um, his dad was the coach of China spring forever. Um, he and his brother both played there. They, they were legends at China spring and he got a chance back in 2017 when Matt rule, uh, took the job here at Baylor to come back to Baylor. And he's been on the staff ever since. And what sucks about it is I think he just felt pushed out. I think he felt pushed out with that, uh, move to tight ends coach from his quarterback coach position. And, 
I, this must just feel like a bitter end for him and and Baylor and maybe the Waco area. And you know, I, I said, I mean, he still lives in China Spring. His family's there. He's got three young kids um, who are always at China Spring events. Uh, I see them there all the time, even though Sean can't really go to them. So, like, it's like they're still, and, and Brian and his family too, they're still really intertwined in this community. And it's just kind of the sad nature of sports. You know, I'm not going to cry over it, but it just sucks for these guys that um, this is kind of the end for them in in Waco for now, um, for a family that's so intertwined in it. But looking at Sean's experience here at Baylor, uh, it's up and down, man. It's up and down. I know uh, Matt Rule talked about what a valuable part of the staff he was as the as the tight end. I think he was tight end and O-line coach, or O-line coach and then tight end coach um, through Rule and, and the early days of Aranda. And they mentioned how important he was, how valuable he was, and then he becomes the quarterback coach um, the first year of Jeff Grimes. And it paid instant dividends, man. I mean, there's no revisionist history here for the quarterback play. We've gotten the last two seasons, which has not been bad by any means, but... In 2021, he turned Gary Bohannon, who was a big question mark, a big question mark, into like a top five quarterback in the conference, the guy who could lead you to a conference championship. And this can't be said enough. I said it a lot about Blake Shapin. I'm going to say his name, Blake Shapin, um, when he transferred out. But he comes in, Blake does, at the end of a season where there's no room for error for Baylor, and he's outstanding in those last two and a half, three games because the quarterback coach had him ready to go. It's not easy for a young kid, especially to keep up his confidence as a backup quarterback throughout a whole season, especially one where the guy ahead of him is doing so well. But Sean Bell had him ready to go. And throughout the the ups and downs of the last three seasons, quarterback has never been the issue. Never. It has not been transcendent, which is something of a problem, but it was never the issue. Baylor's had plenty of issues since then. Quarterback was not one of them. And I guess the knock you can put on him is it was never transcendent that they, they never had a quarterback who could win a game for them all by himself. And that's true. And the other knock for not just Sean Bell, but this whole staff is keeping quarterbacks, keeping them. We've mentioned it before, but Seth Russell was the last Baylor starting quarterback to not play anywhere else afterwards. Jacob Zeno, gone. Had a pretty good season at UAB. Kyron Drones, gone. Leads Virginia Tech to a bowl game that no one expected them to be in this year. Um, Zach Pyron never even walked through the door. I think that was before Sean Bell. Um, Austin Novasad, swing and a miss. At the 11th hour, man. And it's maybe not necessarily Baylor's fault so much that they lost Novasad. They weren't ever going to put up the money that Oregon did. But A, they clearly didn't put up a, a great NIL package from what we've heard out of that camp. Um, thankfully, it sounds like they've turned that around a little bit. And, and B, they put all their eggs in that basket. And they missed. They missed big time. And because of that, another guy they were looking for in, in this senior class, 2024, Walker White out of Little Rock, four-star kid, lit it up um, in Arkansas. He They were way late in that recruiting cycle for him, and they were thankful to just get 
get their hat on the table when he made his decision, but he ends up choosing Auburn, which, yes, is a better program than Baylor, but this isn't national championship caliber Auburn, okay? They they were 6-6, six six, so it's not like, oh, yeah, lose Auburn. Of course you're going to lose that battle. So they, it, they cannot hold on to these stud quarterbacks. And while, again, it hasn't been trans, transcendent and it hasn't been bad, Blake Shapin didn't really take a step step up this year, which I was expecting. He had a good year. He did. But I thought he got too much flack last year because I thought he had a decent year. And he didn't really make a huge jump this year. And so it, it, it's it's not one where I can point to that, oh, man, he was totally jobbed. Sean Bell was jobbed. Like, he, he just didn't get the full deck here. But I can't, I also can't say, you know, it's going to be a slam dunk hire for Houston. I hope it works out for him. I really do. He does have some experience in, in the Houston area. He coached high school out there at Magnolia West, which is a suburb there. So um, it's not like he's, you know, totally sad story that he's leaving Waco. He and his wife have lived elsewhere before. Um, but it, it stinks. It stinks because of his connections to Baylor. But I can't just sit here and say, man, Baylor just lost a huge part of their offensive staff. And I think he was, I think in 2021, when he's the quarterback coach, they win the Big 12, they win the Sugar Bowl, they get pretty good quarterback play. I think at that point, he's probably thinking, you know, it's not going to be next year, maybe the year after, but I'm the OC in waiting here. I'm going to be the OC at Baylor at some point here. And it that day didn't come. Jeff Grimes was fired and, I don't know that Sean Bell was maybe expecting a promotion there, but I don't think he expected to to have to move um, positions from quarterback coach to tight end coach. He's a quarterback guy and wants to coach the quarterbacks. That's the chance he's going to get at Houston. Let me know what you think down in the comments about another two staff members for Baylor leaving. This is four on the offensive end now uh, with Grimes, Mateos, Stewart, and Sean Bell. A lot of changes in that room next year. Is it going to be enough? Let me know down in the comments below. Be sure to like and subscribe and share. And thank you for making it your first listen today and every day. We'll be back tomorrow. We are going to talk a little quarterback and what the heck happened with the Malik Murphy visit. Anyway, this is Locked on Baylor.